Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And we've done it. We've finished the first book in the Lycanius trilogy by James Eilington, The Shadow of What Was Lost. And what an ending that was. Wow. I have to admit, I struggled a bit for the first half of this book, but man, it has really picked up and become its very own thing. And there are a number of things that I'm not so sure I understand, but I really like where things are going. I also like where things are going, and I also am confused. There's a lot of new names, new words, new places, uh, words that have apostrophes in the middle that begin with A, end with D, and, or N, or S, and uh, they just constantly keep getting thrown at us. So if I can kind of wade through the confusion, it's a very good story, and I like the way he wraps it up. The way that he ended everything was really, really interesting. But yeah, there, there are a lot of new terms that were thrown in kind of right at the end. But we've got two more books to read, so I think it'll be fine. Yep. I uh, never thought I'd hear myself say this, but I wish I would have. he would have taken a few pages from Michael Bay's book and just made things a little more shiny and some explosions happening. We did get a good shaking of the snow globe at the end like I wanted, but there could have been a little more visceral war. That would have been pretty nice. I feel like it was more, it was, it was all kind of dumped on us pretty quickly towards the end. But with that, let's dive right into our first synopsis. Let's do it. Aaron reads Asha and confirms her suspicions about Ilseth Tenvar. Asha confronts Tenvar and tricks him into revealing his plans to a veiled council member. Tenvar is then taken into custody. Once in Ilin Ilan, Terrace attempts to convince the Athian council to help them, but because of the accusations against Caden, the council refuses. Terrace and Caden take refuge in the palace. Weir convinces Caroline that Caden is key in understanding what is happening. Davian continues his training in Dylanus. He discovers he is able to draw all the essence from something, rendering that thing lifeless. Davian relives Malshash's worst memory, his own wife being murdered and his attempts to save her. Malshash sends Davian back to the present, but not before revealing he has been influencing Davian while he has been training. In present-day Dylanus, Davian goes to the library and picks up a single book about Arcane Devade. On his way to Ilin Ilan, Davian meets Ishel and Driskan Thrall, an augur and an elder from Tolshen. They try to convince Davian to accompany them to Tolshen, but Davian is committed to helping his friends fight off the imminent attack. Davian agrees to help with the boundary once the attack is fended off, but he won't go to Tolshen. Once in Ilin Ilan, Davian reunites with Asha and Weir before the blind attack. Terus and Caden agree to sneak into Tolathian to restore Caden's memories, but before they can, Caden activates Ilseth's bronze box, which transports him through a portal. As Weir and Davian help defend the city from the blind, Asha convinces Elosian to equip the shadows with vessels so they can fight. Despite a valiant effort, Ilin Ilan is breached and Elosian is killed. Wow. So that was a lot. You know, I've been talking about, I can't wait until the story is built, the characters have progressed and we get to know them and we get to some shaking of the slow snow globe. And that certainly happened here. Davian's progression in Dylanus with Malshash was especially interesting where we learn that he has some actual value. He's not just like, I'm Davian walking down the path, running and hiding and not fighting because I have no skills to do so. Um, so he gets leveled up 10 times over that course and takes on to things incredibly fast. In fact, there's a sentence where Malshash is like scared of Davian by how fast he learns to pick up Khan. 
I thought it was really cool how Mashash kind of tells Davian, hey, I've been kind of influencing you through all this, too. Mm -hmm. Because for a while, while I was reading those Dylannis chapters, I kept thinking to myself, wow, Davian's really progressing super quickly here. It's only been a few weeks, and Mashash is really kind of drilling it into his head that this usually takes years and years. So I thought it was a little weird, but that made it feel much more earned when Davian was excelling the way that he was because Malshash was influencing him. And it was a really good piece of world building too, to kind of show that you can do that. Yeah. It expanded our knowledge of the magic, the world itself and how it can be used in different ways and also justified him because it said that he takes the typical augurs take a year per skill to get it down. And Davian learns like, I mean, not all of them, but quite a few of the different tenants or areas in, you know, two weeks. And so it was a really cool way to be like, yep, and this is how. It's not because he's just, you know, some brilliant, even though he is naturally gifted at this, but. And I also really liked that Davian was just kind of taking some of Malshash's advice, but also like, I want to do this at my own pace and try this right now. Yeah. Malshash was like, don't try to shapeshift. I'm going to go get us some lunch. And then <laughs> Davian's like, all right, let's shapeshifting time, baby. But that's cool because for a little while throughout these this particular book, I kind of saw Davian and were as like basically the same character. They had a lot of the same temperaments and stuff. And now as the book is progressing and as things are happening, you're kind of seeing a little bit more of Davian and how he would handle things. And, you know, Weir is a little bit more reserved and really thoughtful. And Davian kind of just charges on in there sometimes. And <laughs> I like seeing those distinctions because they weren't super prevalent at the beginning of the book. But to be fair, they didn't have a lot to do. Right now they do have a lot of things going on. So it was like head north. Head north. Head north, baby. <laughs> Ooh, what did you think about the part right when Elosian dies? Ugh. I was, dude, I was not expecting that. Yeah. At all. I don't know why. I just thought Elosian was going to hang out for a long time. He seemed like a really important character. But I think maybe... I'm not trying to answer your question. <laughs> no, no, you're I'm just trying to say, he seemed like a really important character. But I guess maybe they hinted at it earlier. I guess I kind of knew uh, the whole time that Elysian eventually needed to die so that Weir could change the tenants, but I didn't know it was going to happen like that. Yeah, I didn't know that he was going to die. I thought maybe he would be convinced to change the tenants um, because, you know, he kind of, Weir's trapped now. Like, Weir is very much in that city. He is the new North Warden, and unless the administration decides to oust him because he's gifted or something um, in the next book or so, uh, you know, he's stuck there. So it was definitely like a turning point in the story where it's like okay we're he either needs to leave with an army or he stays in illinois uh, but it took me by surprise as well i was just like oh wow say something about how fucking intense it was when when he was like oh i don't want to die oh yeah 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 oh yeah thank <laughs> that you part thank was you yeah. wild um okay it was just a really emotional it was probably the, the most emotional part in the books yeah it was so far one of the only parts of the books that i was like Whoa. like it, it got me in, right in my feels you know um because he was like don't heal me whatever you do these things are more important changing the tenants are more important uh let me die no matter what i say and then like 20 seconds later he's like i don't want to die like i was just thinking like man if my dad was like under me bleeding out like telling me that he didn't want to die and i had the power to save him like oh that was rough it's like just when you think in these books that yeah like maybe nothing, nothing that cool is, <laughs> like Islington does a really good job at taking you by surprise with some of these characters and showing a lot of vitality in them and just showing their ability to get really really shaken up about things I have a lot of respect for an author who can kill important characters like 
for no reason. I mean, man, I'm sure there was a reason, but some of them were just like, whoa, death, death. Like a few people died. And I liked Elosian. I, I I especially liked the the relationship between him and Asha. I thought the, I I was always excited to see an Asha chapter, and then shortly after the chapter started, Elosian walked in because I just wanted to hear more about what he had going on and the fact that he's Weir's dad. I felt like Weir and Elosian didn't really get enough time together no. either before Elosian died, which was pretty tragic. That whole dynamic was really cool. I liked reading about it. I agree. Yeah, it was a really cool turn of events to have him die, and quite a shaking of the whole event sequence and i'm like i said where's now stuck but i think he's going to do some do some good things and you know just the very fact that he was able to not save his dad means that he'll probably make a pretty good king right because kings or not king but north warden someone in power at least because they have to make decisions like for the greater good sometimes that are real difficult i want to hear your thoughts about when davian meets ishel and driskin 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 there's a c in there another name that begins with a d and ends with an n Thank you, James. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you. Yeah, he meets him at the inn, and uh, they they offer to take him with them so they can help augers and fix the boundary. What, what were your thoughts about that? I thought it was kind of weird because I hadn't really heard anything about Tolshin for most of the book. So I feel like it fell a little bit flat. I feel like the way I was supposed to feel was, you can't go to Tolshin. They're super shady, <laughs> right. Davian. But but it, I didn't know really any of that. Those power hungry, gifted. Like... I mean, maybe it had been mentioned, but like not really thoroughly enough for me to see what the consequences to that would be. Like in my head, I was like, I don't know. That sounds like you could do that. Mm -hmm. like, whatever. It was a classic example of us not being in the author's mind and the author, like not quite remembering that. It seemed like maybe a little bit irrelevant, like when I was reading it, where Davian was pretty dead set on going where he was going. And we already know that there's something up with the boundary and he already has the intention of fixing it. Mm -hmm. And it's already, I don't know, it just, it just seemed like another kind of weird roadblock. Yeah, I mean, it comes full circle in the end because he does need to know them, which we'll talk about later. But like, I agree with you, it seemed a little odd at the time. It was just kind of a weird, like, drawn out scene when there's already a lot of momentum of Davian going somewhere and trying to reunite with people. And it's just like another little plot point to throw in there mm -hmm. that we have to like now juggle around. And it's another plate that's spinning now is his relationship with shell and driskin throw and more characters at the very end of a book and uh yeah i don't know i thought it was interesting but the part where he's reading that book in the inn was that was the really cool part there like the very good before you tell me about that i just have to tell you if you ever ask me to do something to help you in any way don't start off by poisoning me I didn't even remember that he got poisoned. Yeah, she poisons like, him. And I just read, eh, And it's just like, yeah, but like, really, no, we just want to ask for your help. Like, what? Yeah, that is, like, really strange. It's just like, ha, we poisoned you, but, like, well, like, I don't know. <laughs> we do need your help, though. That whole part was really weird. Did you also notice, like, just as, as long as we're going to be talking about things that, like, don't matter, like, Caden <laughs> being kidnapped by a bunch of blind or whatever when he goes to meet Havram Das... Do you remember that oh, part? Yeah. That was completely pointless. Completely pointless. Like it was like a hundred page not a hundred. I'm being dramatic. It was like fifty pages of like Caden just it was it was like ten pages yeah. of Caden just going and meeting that person and he's like sketched out on his way to go see him. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm not I'm not saying he shouldn't have gone. Like obviously if I had a dream like he had had or a vision or something, I'd probably go check it out too. But yeah, like what and then he like and then like Caroline, it was like I think it was to make Caroline yes. and Caden a little closer. It was but... to it was to open the door to their relationship and he wanted a clever way to to build their bond, you know? You know what? No. 
I'm glad that I'm glad that we're doing this podcast because I think I was a little annoyed with it at first, but talking about it with you and kind of thinking about it again, it's like it was kind of exciting. This this idea that I knew it was sketchy, Caden knew it was sketchy, but I didn't know how sketchy it was gonna be. And then Caroline being involved too because she was following him, and it kind of like opens up Caroline's character as someone that would follow somebody down into the city, even though she is like a princess. And it's like a terrible, terrible thing that she should do. I'm retracting that. Like, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, you know, not my favorite scene, but at least I understand why it was put in there. And maybe it was a little long, but even if it was kind of irrelevant, you know, a lot of this, if there's one criticism I have with this story is that I feel like, you know, the author's a chef and he's making cookies and he has all the ingredients, very quality ingredients laid out before us. But for some reason, I just keep getting spoon fed mouthfuls of, of sugar or just flour, you know? And so when that happened with Caden, it was like, yes, I'm finally getting a cookie. Like I'm finally getting some action. Caden's just like wiping out some dudes, showing how awesome he is, going like time slow mode. And I don't know, if there was a movie, I think it would be an awesome scene. Yeah, and I think that that's the way that you need to look at these kinds of really long, really dense epic fantasy series is much like with The Wheel of Time or A Song of Ice and Fire, some things can maybe seem a little bit drawn out, but then, like I just did, like on further reflection, it's like, you know what, I'm kind of glad that that was in there. That was cool. That was a cool scene. And it felt slow at the time because I think this book is very, um, like, backloaded. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things happen in the last, like, 150 pages, which I like a lot. It's really fun, but I just wanted to get there. Yeah, you feel a little winded sometimes at the end of it. And then, yeah, the previous part seems a little drawn out. And so that's why that part with Davian and uh, Driskin Thrall and Eshel, I was I was just like, he's almost there. Can we just can he just be there? So because I wanted to see the reunion with Asha and Weir and Terus and Caden and stuff, because that was the fellowship. You know, that was the original gang. And I wanted the gang to get back together. And so at the time, it felt like anything that was happening was either not important or it was important but i just well, not important <laughs> not as important as this reunion so yeah. like this parking lot does not need another speed bump but you know sometimes the speed bumps are really fun i did like the story it was a really good short story that he reads in the dr- in the inn after meeting um uh, Ishel and driskin but i didn't understand its point at all maybe it's something that like a book later i'll be like oh but like i did not get it did you have any deep profound things that you got from that um, this is a really this is a really good example of why we need to put some some more faith in James Eilington. His way of world building is not thorough descriptions of what things look like. It is not well put together histories of things, really. It's visions and dreams and <laughs> I was just gonna say visions. <laughs> that's so funny. And that's cool. That is totally cool. Like if that's the way he wants to do it, it's working. But there is one drawback in that, in, in that um, I don't know what any of these things are, right? Right, you don't know the importance of the piece. But it is a really cool way to do it because as we're getting more familiar with this world, you know, going into the second book and then by the time we're into the third book, we will know what a lot of these terms are. But it is just a little frustrating sometimes because somebody will have a vision and you don't even know like what time it is or what any of these words mean. And they're all weird names that you've never seen before, but you know that they're significant. So 
it is very good world building, or at least it will have been yes. very good world building when we get to the third book. So right now it's a little bit like, I don't know what's going on, but this is pretty cool. Yeah, most authors start with that 40,000 foot view and then they zoom on into the really specific stuff. Whereas he gives you this little sniper, like really scoped in view and then is slowly zooming it out. But once we get all the big picture, we can piece all those little things together and we'll have a deeper understanding of the characters and the story and the world overall, or at least that's my expectation and that is kind of one of the things you need to do with epic fantasy if you've never read epic fantasy before this is your first time or if you're very new to the genre there are just some things that you kind of just have to go with and there's a certain amount of ignorance that you have to be happy with and okay with and just say i don't know what any of these words mean but i will eventually know what they mean I mean, I bet this book is a hell of a reread, too. Totally. Um, Davian, typical typical Davian style, which at least, you know, he's staying true to his character, has zero follow-up questions for Shell. Like, how did you learn Augur powers? What is this strange ability to touch someone <laughs> and know where they're at for the rest of their life? Like, no, he just, just like, takes it all in stride. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. It was both typical Davian to not ask the questions that you're like, he's surely he wants to know. But nope, the cook... <laughs> girl in the, from the kitchens until Shen somehow knows how to be an auger and has all these skills. I would have wanted to know, but hey, you know, that's just me. He's just got so much on his mind. Yeah, he does have a lot on his mind. <laughs> that is one of the things that I've noticed about uh, some of these characters is um, most of their decisions or things that they think about or they don't seem to have very much of a life away from the page. The things that these characters care about or that they like or that they don't like are pretty rigidly only conforming exactly to what's happening right now mm -hmm. and it makes for some not really that complex characters they're still interesting because of what's happening but if you just took davian away and put him in a bar somewhere like i don't know how interesting of a person he'd be to talk to yeah i don't think that davian especially is like the vehicle for the story it's like everything it's the world around and we get to see like them navigate the elements of it but i mean he's becoming more interesting all the time right Davian, right now, at the end of this book, is much more interesting than he was at the very beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. So, And we'll see over the next two books how everybody changes. I'm excited to see it. I did think it really funny when Davian reads The Impossible Tasks of Alaris, which also sounds like Aelric, James. Ah, he should never have agreed to the plan. It's like a terrible like game that the Gash guy was playing with Alaris. He's like, okay, so we're going to play a game. I get to make the rules. I'm not going to tell you what they are. And only if I say you win, do you actually win? It's like, what? <laughs> Who would ever agree to that game? But it was a really cool part of the, it was a really, really great piece of world building. It kind of reminded me of, you know, in like Name of the Wind and mm -hmm. Wise Man's Fear, when Kvoth or someone that Kvoth is with will tell a story, you know, like when he's with the bandits or when there were that storyteller that's in the bar in Tarbian or whatever. And it's like, it's a really cool story that affects the character and builds the world up. So I like yeah. that kind of stuff. Like a story within a story is always interesting. And, uh, you know, the three trials and like bringing people back and him living for, I thought that was just all really excellent. And it's it's unfortunate that like, I don't quite know why it's important, but I liked reading it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It was an interesting little story. And, you know, he does a good job of like showing, not telling. He's not like, this is what happened in the history. He's like, nope, some character is going to go back in time and live a little bit of it, you know, which is kind of cool. Right. And so it, it would be so much more boring if like Terrace Czar was just like a thousand <laughs> years ago, this guy named Alaris. And that would have been annoying to have to read. And so reading the italicized like Davian sitting on a bed alone reading this book, and then you get to see his reaction to taking that initiative and reading on 
this. Like, yeah, Very awesome. cool. Good stuff. So let's uh, let's get to synopsis part two, Chad. After Elosian is killed, Asha realizes that he has been under the control of one of the augurs all along. Wurr, with Davian's help, hurries to toll Athian and changes the tenants so the gifted can fight. Caden, after finding himself in Rez Kartha, a mysterious realm, meets a man made of fire, one of the Lith, who reveals that Caden wiped his own memory, setting this series of events into motion in order to fulfill the terms of a bargain between the Lith and someone called Andrael. This bargain allows Caden to take the sword Lycanius, a powerful vessel, but he has to return the sword in a year and a day unless he can free the Lith from Rezcartha. Caden returns to Ilinalon, utilizing the astonishing power of Lycanius to destroy the invading army, just as defeat for the Andaran forces seems inevitable. Davian, afraid of the administration, who now knows he is an otter, decides to join his shell and head south to Tolshen, with the goal of strengthening the boundary. Asha remains in Ilinalan as a representative, while Wurr inherits the role of Northward, head of the administration. Caden uses the bronze portal box again. He this time finds himself in the wells of Mor Aruil and meets a man named Asar Shenelak, who appears to recognize him. To Caden's horror, Asar restores a memory that indicates he is not only responsible for the murders in Desriel, of which he was accused, but that he is in fact Arkine Devade. Oof. That was a heavy ending. That was a really heavy ending. I wasn't expecting that at all. No. What did you think about Caden, since we're now learning some of his backstory? We knew he was much more than he seemed to be, but he's far more than that. And he goes to the Fire Realm and meets the man of made of fire, who uh, is one of the life, and uh, yeah, tells him all sorts of stuff. So, so tell me your thoughts about that. Uh, I was definitely really confused. I wish I wasn't as confused as I was. I mean... Just the whole thing about you actually wiped your own memory. <laughs> and because of this bargain that you made with this other thing, now you get this sword. And But after a year and a day, you have to give the sword back. But go ahead and take the sword. Also, your memory is gone, but only like parts of it. It was just really, that whole scene was really confusing for sure. But I did really enjoy, and this might be surprising to people because I'm so hypercritical about everything else, but I really liked the scene where he came back to Ilin Ilan just at the very end where they're making their last stand. And he just literally murders all of the blind with a sword. And I was fine with it because sometimes those kinds of scenes are really mm -hmm. cheesy and dumb. But the way it was all executed was really great. And we needed, by this time, just something super cool to happen. Yep. Everything else up until this point had felt a little bit like, yeah, this cool thing happened, but then this terrible thing happened. And then I felt like I wanted something like this to happen for the whole book. And it finally did. And it was just, it was like, yes, this is the epic yes. fantasy. Like, here we go. And it felt earned and it felt really cool. And Lycanius is the name of the whole trilogy. Like, it makes sense that this sword is just, it's so powerful. But I thought that whole part was really cool. I mean, like, pretty much everything with Caden is either confusing or amazing. Yeah. It's weird. He's, like, every time there's a Caden chapter, I just have no idea what's about to happen. I really like Caden. He's one of my favorite characters, but he has so much depth to him and so much history, more than 4,000 years of it, that it's so easy to get lost. And, and when the fireman, whose name I just can't remember keeps talking to him you know he tells him I, I, one of my favorite paragraphs was he was like he was like you are talcumar and then he says like you did this you did that you and he like lists this like epic 
list of things that Caden did. And I was like, yeah, like his rap sheet. And I was like, oh man, I hope one of these days I can get like half of that, you know, like the protector of Italian virginity, the one, the rock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's from. Is that from? Is that from the Night's Tale? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that part's really good. Spent a whole year in silence to better understand the sound of a whisper. The, the whole ending really saved this whole book for me and the whole series, to be honest, because I really do enjoy a lot of what's going on here, but I didn't feel very connected to a lot of these events until this ending wrapped everything up in at least a very, if not wholly satisfying, at least very interesting way. Yeah, kudos to James Islington for taking a lot of these really complex events and tying them together in a way that makes me want to keep reading. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And sometimes it's confusing to keep up with all the names and the stories, but I think like, especially when Caden is talking to the, to the man made of fire, you know, we get to learn something about him. He does, he's done terrible things, but he's also done really good things. And it shows us a little window into, he doesn't want to be the person that he was. And so he wipes all of those memories so that he can be a different person. You know, you learn something, you do something bad. You can never be the person who you were before because you know too much like that. Some innocence is lost with, with growth. And I think that he wanted that going away. He wanted a fresh start, you know, and then also he needed the fresh start in order to be pure of mind and soul. So that way he could get the sword, right? Is that the, <laughs> is that like, <laughs> is that what getting the sword is contingent on? Cause I completely, yeah. I just, space if there was one thing that i was really confused about it was probably that whole scene no the fireman he's like can i take lycanius now and the fireman's like and he reads him his brain he goes there's nothing in your brain that says i should not give you there's nothing in your in your thoughts or your history something like that that says i should not give you the sword so yes you can take it now did this story unfold the way that you expected it to no, it didn't. I thought we were going to get a little more typical hero's journey where one character becomes something better. And I feel like Davian experiences this in Dylanus, but for the most part, it was a very, he, every time I thought he was going to take a left turn, he would take a right turn. I'd be like, oh, I'm familiar with this trope. And then it would totally turn the other direction and catch me by surprise, if that makes sense. I felt the same with a lot of different things. I don't know really what I was expecting at the beginning of this, but I think I'm with you that I thought we were going to stick with Davian quite a bit in much the same way that like in the beginning of the wheel of time, you're kind of with Rand a lot, mm -hmm. but it really does. It becomes a much more of an ensemble cast as we go forward, which I'm really okay with. Totally agree. I don't need Davian, nor do I particularly want Davian to be the sole driving character of the book. You know, there's a lot of other dynamic characters. And so I think the ability to have dynamic different characters and surprise me after I've read a thousand other fantasy novels, I thought was really cool. I am a little bit bummed out that we're not seeing as much timey-wimey stuff because it really hinted at time travel being really important in these books. And that's one thing that I really hope gets picked up on more in the next two books. And I want to see how time travel and time manipulation and time augmentation will affect not only the plot line, but these characters. And I want to find out more about like what the what did the what what was so bad about the augers beforehand. And I want to find out more about how all of that time manipulation years before has affected what's going on right now. Me too. James opened the door to time travel and I will be sad if he doesn't keep it open. Like you already went there. So let's go there again. You know, like let's, let's do it. So as awesome as this book was, was there any parts during it, which you just kind of had a major like eye roll or uh, annoyed you? <laughs> there was that one part where Davian 
reunites with everyone and they're on like the battlements the shield wall or whatever yeah, yeah. and davian's like i need a sword and somebody else says can you even use a sword and davian just like downloads being able to use a sword i know kung fu <laughs> yeah it reminded me of that part of the matrix and i mean it's cool it's cool that that can happen but it also is just so like convenient and that's always a thing with fantasy books is you want to find you want to straddle that line between something that's really cool and works and is interesting and something that's just kind of convenient mm -hmm. and it's very convenient that davian can just download literally download <laughs> sword fighting and it you know and uh eilington covers up his tracks there and he says you know he's not great at it he's not amazing it's not like he it's not like how keanu reeves in the matrix is like amazing at, at kung fu right. or whatever you know after downloading all that but it, it was just it kind of it was just kind of this thing where i was like sure sure and i definitely did roll my eyes yeah it was a good example of not eye rolling when Caden comes back and saves him at the last minute. He did that well, straddled the line perfectly. It was a bad example. I totally agree when Davian's like, beep, boop, beep, download. Also, if you had kind of that, even the slightest amount of that ability, I'd be like finding the masters of everything, like the best cook, the best writer, <laughs> yeah, the best reader. Like why does he bother to learn? Why is he bothering to learn anything on his own now? Yeah, if he why? can just do that. It is that was, you know, maybe the and uh, maybe it'll be more explored as the books go on. Like, it would be nice to see that there are some kind of limitations to that. Maybe it takes a lot of uh, con or energy or whatever essence to be able to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And having, you know, because that's one of the things about magic systems is that I'm cool with them being ridiculously outlandish and whatever. You know, that's the whole point. I want it to be. I want it to suspend reality as much as possible in a fantasy book, but I find it a lot more engaging when there are rules to these kinds of things. And then the consequences of those rules being broken or enforced affects the characters and the plot. So hopefully that's what's going to happen. Totally agree. Did you have any wild eye roll moments? Uh, maybe not eye roll moments, but moments that I was like kind of arched an eyebrow in their direction. Uh, three of them, very quickly. One. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll go very fast, I promise. Okay. Well, uh, so the first one, uh, Davian learns that Terrace set up, is he potentially set up him getting killed as a kid and immediately just is like, F you and hates on him, doesn't bother to ask why he did it or I don't know, give Terrace a little more. That was a really weird part. Yeah, sure. it was weird. The second one was when the sh um, blind break into one of the tolls they're hiding in and Terrace is like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of catacombs uh, down here below us and one of them leads outside the city, but uh, we've never bothered to figure out like where they are what <laughs> what and then the third one is uh the magic the magic ring and then his ability to do that which he picks up just freaking nails it no problem first try magic so it, it works by bending the light around them or at least they hint at that and if you're bending light around you if you're inside that you wouldn't be able to see anything because like asha makes herself totally totally oh, visible and she like looks in the mirror and she's like can't see anything and it's like no you wouldn't be able to see anything because there's no light <laughs> yeah. so like they need to like really keep their that. eyeballs you know something i don't know so those are my three like eh, <laughs> moments no, that's good yeah before we wrap up what was your favorite part of the whole book my favorite part was when asha sees the sanctuary for the first time do you remember that part yeah with the power source yeah, I just I got that burned into my brain so well with 
the Shateth just sitting in front of this big pillar of essence and this whole underground community of shadows. It was terrific world building. Seeing Asha's reaction to something like that did a lot for her character. Just this whole other aspect of this world where these people have been oppressed and there's some sort of like, if not an uprising, at least this like movement just that whole scene that that is like one of those really really awesome especially the shateth sitting in front of that like staring into that big pillar of energy i don't know why that really stuck with me so hard maybe it was because of what the other shadow said to asha about it like when he was just like i don't even know what's up with that <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of the first parts of the book that i felt like was not being derivative of anything else it was its own thing i felt very much like i was in a new world and i like that a lot I agree. That was a good one. And very well visualized. What about for you? What was your favorite part? I super loved when Davian is learning how to read with Malshash and he's going into his brain, rips open his box that he has closed, and then has that little sequence where he experiences when Malshash was getting married, his wife dies, and then he not only but boils that dude to death, which was just so visceral. Like I was reading it being like... <sighs> like it was just yeah. it hit hard and then not only that but he tries to save his wife and like pulls he kills everybody to do it it yeah. was just like whoa that that scene really really got to me and i enjoyed it especially after davian kind of comes to and Malshash is there that was very tense and really really brutal to read and i was i felt like i was watching an awkward very awkward conversation happening i just shouldn't have been there totally it was like overhearing something like way too personal it's like hard to make eye contact with the person after because they both everybody knows that like you heard it and you're just like oh shit. well that's going to wrap it up for us for the shadow of what was lost the first book in the lycanius trilogy and i'm really excited to get to the second book me too. Our characters have become awesome, moving off on their own, and uh, the snake shaking of the snow globe is going to be exciting. I can't wait. <laughs> I feel like that girl from Mean Girls who's like, stop trying to make the snow globe happen. It's <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> I never Sorry. watched Mean Girls. Oh, really? That's good. Yeah. Uh, we, we'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> thank you, everybody, so much for being here while we've dissected this book, and we're really looking forward to reading An Echo of Things to Come with you along for the ride. I'm going to steal this from Evan. It was his idea. Uh, please email us any questions that you want answered during the next podcast. Our email or comments. Is, yeah, or comments, anything that we can throw in there um, or just hear about or even criticisms. If you want to tell us how to be better at this, we would love that. So book.reviews.kill at gmail.com. Shoot them over. We'd love to either answer them on air or uh, talk up here about how much you uh, don't like us. We'll read those tunes too. We'd also like to thank our Conqueror-level Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much to Stephen Combs, Raquel Luna, Amy Galloway, and Meet Bindaro. Thank you so much, everybody. Your support means the world to us. And if you want to support Book Reviews Kill, go to the link in our description and click on the Patreon link. We really love making all this content, and we'd love to keep bringing it to you. So thank you. Thanks, everybody. Decent. Boom. It's in there. Yeah.